Season four of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc., whose purpose is to create a brighter future with bold representation for underrepresented youth so we can realize the full potential of every one of us. Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. Sports anchor Tina Cervasio is our guest today. She's here to tell us about how her male-dominated field is now a women's game. So here we go. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Tamia from MS452K. Hey, Tamia, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. Well, I'm so glad to be co-hosting with you today. And why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are? Okay, so I'm Tamia. I'm in eighth grade right now. I'm in student government. I'm in, like you said, MS452K, FDA8. I'm on cheerleading, the cheerleading captain, one of them. And yeah. So are you excited about interviewing Tina? Yes, I am. All right. Well, let's not wait any longer. Tina, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Rachel. And thank you to me. I'm really looking forward to this. All right. So Tamia, why don't you take it away? Okay. So I know that you work in a sports field. How do you feel working in a field that's quote unquote for men? Well, the great thing, Tamia, is ever since I started working in sports broadcasting and sports journalism, which was right after I got out of college many years ago, each year more and more women are working in the field. And now there are just women in every locker room. There are women in every press box. There are women on every sidelines. And it's um, not just an all-boys club anymore. In fact, at Fox 5 New York, where I work, the sports department consists of myself and Jennifer Williams. And I've done many shows where I'm hosting the show and Jennifer Williams is out reporting. And my guests are women. Um, And that's not by choice. It's just who's the best guest for that night. So it might be Kimberly Jones, who is the New York Giants beat reporter for Newsday. Or it might be Shannon Hogan, who is the host and reporter for the New York Islanders. Or it might be a coach, such as the coach of the New York Liberty or the coach um, from a women's basketball team or an athlete from the New York Liberty or somebody from um, Gotham FC or somebody from Rutgers Women's Soccer. So there have been plenty of times over the last five years that I've hosted Sports Extra on Channel 5 where it's been an all-women's show, but we don't even try for it to be that way. It just works out that, that those are the stories of the day. Those are our best guests. And it just shows you how women in covering sports, whether it's broadcasting, journalism, writing, radio, has come a really long way. Okay. So like you said, there's more and more women coming into the field. Who is your dream person to interview? That's that's a great question because it's so tough. I feel like it changes all the time. Um, I, I used to want to interview Michael Jordan and I got to interview him a couple of times. I got to meet him. So that was pretty neat. I've always wanted to interview Olympic athletes, but specifically gymnasts, because uh, I was a gymnast growing up. My first favorite athlete ever was Nadia Comaneci. 
And I was able to interview some gymnasts when I covered the Olympics. And I got to interview Nadia, my first favorite athlete. I was two years old when I was cheering for Nadia Komenich. And I got to interview her. And it was just a really cool moment for me. But right now, I would love to do a sit-down interview with the New York Yankees' Aaron Judge. And I've interviewed him before. I've talked to him one-on-one. But I would love to have my own exclusive interview and just kind of get to see a different side of him. How did you grow up being a gymnast? Like, was it hard? Did you have to like eat a certain way? And like, how did that affect you now? Those are very good questions because that's why I didn't stay in gymnastics that long. It was difficult for me. I I didn't have very good arm strength. So I struggled on the uneven bars and I loved them because I thought it was just such a beautiful apparatus and obviously event to compete in. And that's what Nadia got her first perfect 10 on was the uneven bars, but I really struggled with that. I did pretty good on the beam and on the floor routines. For whatever reason, I had a hard time developing arm strength and I I shifted into ballet and dance. So I ended up becoming a competitive dancer through my elementary school years and high school as I transitioned into dance. And then I became a cheerleader. And just like you, I was the captain of my cheerleading team my senior year. So I was able to use the gymnastics that I learned when I was younger as a cheerleader, but then I really became very competitive in dance and also in high school in track and field. So I ran middle distances and did the triple jump and the shot put. So that's sort of the irony. I started to develop arm strength and now I pride myself in doing push-ups and, and hanging from bars, but I couldn't do it when I was younger. Okay. So the uneven bars are like the two bars that you jump off one onto the other. Yes. Yes. They're set up, separated from each other. And yeah, you have to do releases. That was the worst. I had a tough time pulling myself up a lot of the times or getting a full grand spin. But then as I got older, after I left gymnastics, I tried the trapeze and I loved it. It was crazy. Simone, I think you guys know. Simone Miles. Yes. So I used to love watching her when I grew up. I thought I was going to be in gymnastics. That never went on, but... (laughs) But you do um, gymnastics now and stunts, right? And cheerleading. Jumps and stunts. We don't do, like, a lot of it, but we, like... Right now, we focus more on dance. I know I do ballet during the school days, so I do ballet now, so... I'm I'm still around. I did tap, and I did do gymnastics for a short period of time. Yeah. But I can't discipline myself enough to be strict and gain the strength that I need to. Not right now. It's very hard. And that's the thing. It takes a lot of time. And that's another thing with gymnastics too. I mean, you have to practice morning and night. And my parents are very Mm -hmm. big on my studies. I mean, there were some girls that were going to classes in the morning at five in the morning, going to school and then going three o'clock after school. You had to make that decision. And I I liked going to dance or track and field practice, depending on the season after school. And then I'll go home and do my homework. (laughs) Like, I want to still have a lot of free time to enjoy my life now because I don't want to focus on, like, I understand focusing on it now, but it's not something I want to do when I get older. So I don't want to invest too much time in it. And you want to have balance in your life. You want to do a couple, like, other things, like several things instead of just one. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm very impressed how you make that decision at a young age. That's fantastic. Thank you. So was this your dream job? So how did you get to the field you're in now? And it goes back to gymnastics. I loved watching Nadia Comaneci 
It was the 1976 Olympics in Montreal when she became the first ever women's gymnast to earn a perfect 10 score. And I loved watching sports. Uh, Then I loved watching college football with my dad. And a lot of my like cousins or uncles and aunts, they were coaches. So for family things, we would go to games. Like on a Friday night, I would go to Uncle John's Belleville High School football game in New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. And then Saturdays, we would go watch Uncle Joe's freshman team play high school football. Or during the winter months, Uncle Joe coached wrestling. Or we would go see Cousin Carl's softball team or Uncle Mark's basketball team. So I was always going to sporting events as like a little girl, like five, six, seven years old. And then when I got into high school, my strengths in as far as studying was writing, English and public speaking. And as I was starting to decide like where I would go to college, what did I want to be when I wanted to grow up? I watch Barbara Walters and say, I want to be a, a newscaster. But when I started to see, this goes back to your very first question. When I started to see women on television covering sports, I said, wait a second. I would rather cover sports than do uh, cover wars or politics or crime. You know, it's always like bad news. I, I wanted to co- cover sports and I loved it when Barbara Walters would interview sports figures like Michael Jordan or Shaquille O'Neal or a Carl Lewis. So as I saw more women like Linda Cohn and Hannah Storm, Michelle Tafoya, uh, Leslie Visser, when I saw them on television, I said, that's what I want to do because now there's women on sports games and covering sports and on sports shows. How many um, broadcasting places have you worked for? Because I know you do Fox now. Yes, yes. In fact, I'm actually working at two places now. So my main full-time job is at Fox 5 in New York. And then I also do work in appearances on CBS Sports, the national broadcast network. So on CBS Sports during the fall, I do sideline reporting for Army football at West Point, which is right in New York. It's only about 50 minutes, about an hour from New York City, where um, the United States Military Academy is based. So I go to do football games there. And then I'm a co-host of an all-female sports talk show. And it's meant to be all females. So we're all females as the host. It's usually like four or five of us in a round table. And then we have guests, male, females, you know, guests for everybody. And um, it's produced by women. It was created by women, directed by women. And this was created, though, like 15 years ago before it was normal to have women working in all of these roles. But they've kept it alive because it's got a great following and we kind of rotate guests. So once usually once a month, I um, co-host that show. So that's at CBS Sports. So that's where I'm working now. But right before I worked at Channel 5, I was freelancing. Before that, I was at MSG Network, where I covered the New York Knicks and the New York Red Bulls. I worked there for 10 years. And before that, I worked at the New England Sports Network, which is in Boston, Massachusetts. And it was up there. I was there for two years and I covered the Boston Red Sox. And then in the offseason, when there was no baseball, I would go to Celtics games, Patriots games, Bruins. So I would cover the other sports there. Uh, Before that, I was actually in New York City. It was my first big job. And I was in my late 20s and I worked at Channel 2 in New York. So it was CBS. It was the local Channel 2. And I'm doing similar to what I did now. I do now. It was just part time. So I would just work weekend mornings where now I work all the weekday mornings full time. Does it get overwhelming working so much? Like, because I know sometimes like some you might want to sleep in a day and like you yes. really can't do that. 
<laughs> yes. In fact, I had a crazy schedule this weekend, but when you're at the events and at the games, it gets you through. So normally my days off are Fridays and Saturdays, which is great. Love it. Cause then Fridays I could run my errands during the day and then mm-hmm. have a normal Friday night and normal Saturday. I do work all day Sunday though, but this past week, the New York giants were in their first divisional playoff game in 11 years. They hadn't won. They had not won a playoff game in that time. So it was a big historical event. So I I called my boss the minute the Giants won their first playoff game and said, I know it's next Saturday. It's my day off. You have to send me to this game. This is historical. And if they win, it's huge. Even if they lose, it's just big that they're in it. So I worked on Saturday. So Saturday morning, I drove about two hours to Philadelphia and I spent the rest of the day at Lincoln Financial Field. The Giants played the Eagles. The Giants got crushed. Um, I was live on TV from 6.30 to 7.30 doing my reports. The game was from about 8.15. It ended pretty late till about 11.15. Then 11.30, I was live on the field. Then I ran into the locker room and I got sound interviews and they were feeding them back. And then I ran back out on the field and they edited the best sound bites from the players. And then I did another report at 12.15 in the morning. Got back to my hotel at about 1.30, slept a couple of hours, drove two hours to New York, was back at work by 12.30 in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and worked all day. I didn't go on the air until 11.30 on Sunday night. And then I'd be back at work at 9 a.m. So it's a crazy schedule. I'm really tired right now. (laughs) So it is. It gets overwhelming. But when I was at the game, it was so much fun. Okay. So was there any other job? Like if if this didn't work out, would you, what was your other jobs? Like, what was your backup plan? Didn't really have one. <laughs> um, I've had to use a backup plan a couple of times. I was a teacher for one year and I taught journalism. So um, teaching was another option because well, everyone in my family was a teacher. So I easily had guidance on how to be a teacher and do a curriculum. Um, also just working in sports, but from a business perspective, such as bringing in sponsors and, and selling marketing, things like that. I worked in that for about a year. Um, did not love it. but it was, I was still around sports, which was really fun. And I thought, Oh, great. I could talk and present, but it was very different than talking and presenting stories that I'm passionate about because I love storytelling. But now my backup career would be writing. So I have written outlines to one or two books, some nonfiction fiction. So if it, it came to that, I would just maybe pursue and start writing, you know, get those books done and try to see if that would be a career. And that's maybe something I would like to do eventually down the road in, in a few years anyway. Okay, so the like when you said writing about fiction books, like what was your genre that you like to work on? Your favorite genre to write? That, that I would like to read or write on? I mean, I loved autobiographies or, or biographies. You mm-hmm. know, I read about people. I've read so many biographies on athletes when they would write their own or somebody would write about them. I love the the profiles. That's why, why I like doing exclusive interviews, learn about the person, because sometimes it's not all about everything they're doing on the field. I want to learn about like just how you're interviewing me, like just other interests that they have and things they want to do and how, when it, they first started playing the sport or just unique things, what they like to do in their free time. And then fiction wise, I like when there's a heroine. You know, the female hero, um, like what is her story? How is there like character development? Where did she, what was her dream? What did she come from? What was her challenge that she overcame? 
Okay, so what is your favorite sports team? So I have a couple because of different sports. Yeah. Uh, it is the Giants. So it is super exciting when I get to cover them. I grew up <laughs> a Giants fan like my grandfather. When I see the players I cheered for, it's it's super cool. It's fun to see Phil Sims and get to talk to OJ Anderson and and Joe Morris and Stephen Baker. Like, a, And I've gotten to interview these guys and Lawrence Taylor. I was a little girl growing up watching these, these guys and now I've interviewed them. So that's always a little, little fun. I get a little starstruck. So that's my favorite football team. I like the New York Knicks. Always like the Knicks, got to cover the Knicks as well. And then all of Maryland sports. I went to the University of Maryland, so always cheering football, women's basketball is awesome. Men's basketball, their women's lacrosse team is awesome. Their women's field hockey team. I keep up with their men's and women's soccer teams. So those are my my main favorite teams. But I have favorite athletes, you know, that I just, I'll keep a game on and enjoy watching, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, I know he's controversial, but Kyrie Irving is so amazing to watch play basketball. The way he handles the ball, the way he maneuvers through defenses, the way he shoots off balance and makes these shots and sets up these crazy passes. He's just so incredible to watch. And I love watching like young players do really well like Nick Claxton I'm a big fan of on the uh on the Brooklyn Nets so so that's what, what I just enjoy about sports but when it when it comes to like the Knicks the Giants and Maryland those are my favorite teams <laughs> all right so what's your favorite sport because I know you do a lot of sports but what is your favorite sport to cover and what is your personal favorite sport I mean I love college football I love the atmosphere I love covering it the coaches are so interesting and and smart because they're like they're different than NFL coaches in a sense and they're like a different personality because they have to recruit they have to impress parents if a kid's in high school and this coach wants his kid to come play for his team, he has to go meet the parents at their house and convince the parents, okay, I'm going to take care of your son. And same thing with college basketball. So I love interviewing college coaches on um, so I love those sports for that reason. I mean, I love interviewing hockey and soccer players because they don't get covered as much. Um, and I love the international aspect of hockey and soccer. It just creates more stories. So I don't read a lot about sports and stuff. I just know my dad's favorite teams and things like that. So oh, wait, what are your dad's favorite teams? For football is the Cowboys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he says something. He say he got a Giants hat. That's all I know. And then <laughs> New York Knicks. Yep. I definitely got a couple items of New York Knicks because of him. Nice. And okay, golf is my grandfather's favorite. That's my husband's favorite. That's awesome. Does he have a favorite player? I don't know. <laughs> Because I, I come upstairs on a Saturday and then I see him watching the golf game. So yeah. I just leave him to it. That's he, him. That's my husband. He, My husband DVRs golf, like especially the big majors. If he misses a round, he DVRs it so he can watch everything. Because he watches how they, his favorite players, but he watches how they play. So then he tries to do that when he plays golf. Um, I never actually, my grandfather, I don't think he plays at all. But I just really? feel like he really was like watching it and like he can't miss a game because you won't hear the end of it. Ah. So he I don't think he know how to DVR things and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, he just got to watch it when it comes out. And my dad, sometimes if they're out, he try to like get it on his phone and try uh -huh. to give it to him. So that's what they do. But okay. um, 
TV shows. That's really what I know. So I watch All American sometimes and things like that. Like, good. are those shows accurate to like how it is now? Yeah, I mean, it's based on reality. It's based on, like, if I write a novel, say, about, like, a sports broadcaster, it's going to be based on my stories, other people's stories. You know, so it's based on reality. It gives you a, a glimpse into, like, the real life. But, like, it's always going to be dramatized, you know? Yeah, um, so the show could get more interest. Exa- more interesting, and they can get from, like, A to B, the writer, yeah. and keep you intrigued. Or, like, stuff is condensed a lot, like on a television series or, like, in a movie, like a guy who never made it in basketball, and he tries out, and he makes the NBA <laughs> team. Like, it's just, it happens, like, really fast, like, in one season in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it could take a couple years in real life, things like that. But, um, but I think it gives a really good glimpse into it. I mean, some stuff is... You know, like cheesy and wait that's not real yeah. um but some stuff you're like oh that that's that was done well so yeah it gives you a good glimpse because when you talked about the colleges have to convince people family yeah all american when they first started the main character was changing schools a lot so his mom wasn't really feeling like she didn't want that to happen she didn't want him to keep moving a lot and yeah. traveling far for school so she had a problem with that and then the people had to come and convince her. Yes, yes. So, yep, yeah, that's a see, that's a good example. That's neat. I know you talked about your family, but I didn't hear you say anything about like your siblings or anything. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one younger sister. She's a couple years younger than me. She has two children. And so I have a niece and a nephew. They're both my godchildren. My husband and I don't have kids. We just have cats. But yeah, so I just grew up with one sister. She did dance and cheerleading as well. And she's a really good skier. And my niece and nephew have been skiing since they were two. Like barely walking, they were skiing. So that's kind of cool because my brother-in-law was like a junior Olympian. He was a big time skier. So they go skiing every weekend. And my husband's big sport is golf. Um, and I just, and now I just run once in a while. <laughs> I, to, I, I cover sports, so I don't get to play much anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was skiing one time. You did. You did. At, um, I don't know if you know about the American Dreams Mall. Yes. I skied there once too. That is so cool. When did you go? It was a couple years back, but I just know that I ended bruised. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> you should try it again though, because it's, um, I mean, it's no joke. That is a steep hill. Like it's, and, yeah. but what's nice about it there is it's like real snow and it's not going to get icy. Best time to go is in the summertime. Isn't that the novelty? Go when it's not cold out, like a hot day, you could go. The day that I went, I went with some of my cousins. Yeah. And what happened was the reason I ended up bruised is because when we came off, I don't know what the escalator thing is called that they carry um, it's off It's the on. ski lift. Yeah, so the ski lift, I got off and um, I fell when I got off and then she came down right into my thigh. Oh, so. see, that happens. That I mean, you're not the only one, so don't feel bad, first of all. But yeah, no, you do. Co- I mean, I don't know anybody that goes skiing for a day and doesn't come home with one bruise. I mean, that's just... I fell a lot. Oh, so yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no. I didn't it, know they... Because when you see people, when you watch people do it, you think it's easy. It looks easy. But um, once you're going down, it yeah. just doesn't doesn't go and well. You go faster than you realize, right? It feels faster than it looks, I think. And yeah, and then 
I was feeling scared, so I was a little bit hesitant. So then it just made me fall because I was like, I'd rather fall now than go into something. Yeah. So it was either one or the other. There is a danger factor for sure. There definitely yeah. is. There definitely is. Yeah, that's those when I look at Olympic skiers and how fast they ski in the falls. Talk about falls and shoulder injuries. Think my shoulder hurts. My goodness. That's a dangerous sport. So that's what makes me nervous for my niece and nephew. Because my they're both like little speed people. <laughs> my little brother too. So Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how many siblings do you have? Just a little brother? Others? I have two. I'm the middle. I have one older brother. He's 18 now. And then I have my younger brother. He's eight. So nice. we're all five years apart. Oh, that's fine. That's cool. Good for you. So you're the only girl. So you're used to being surrounded by the guys, right? Yes, <laughs> I am. So me and my mom are really close. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's great. Girls stick yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. So Tamia, do you have any wrap up questions? I was just going to ask her about her Emmy Award because I know you had them and I was wondering like how you win an Emmy Award in your profession. So it's you need a great team of people around you to win an Emmy in New York. And when I worked at MSG Network, I all my Emmys are from the Knicks games. We had a great producer, a great director, great editors. So it's it's got to be a perfect configuration of a great story. Kind of like the Oscars. It's just a perfect combination of a great, great team. And everybody does their best in that moment. And that's that's how you win an Emmy Award. And then other other networks vote. Other people vote for it. So, Tina, I have two questions. So what advice would you give to students who want to get into journalism? Yes. I think the most important thing is um, obviously the English language and, and writing. Because whether you're speaking off the cuff or if you're writing a blog, an online story, a story for a newspaper or a magazine that may still be printed, or if you're writing for broadcast, I am always typing, always writing. I write all of my shows, all of my reports, all of my stories. Um, you want to be a strong writer. And I think you could start right now, whether you're in seventh grade or if you're a senior in college. Everything a television station has these days, you have it in your hand. I mean, they say there's more technology in your phone than when they went to the moon for the first time. Just add a tripod to it and a light and you can do your own sports show. You could do interviews. You can create a channel wherever, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. And the whole thing is just like sports. You need reps and you need practice. So if you could start practicing now, you could do it now. There's just so many opportunities and you could post it for the world to see and you could get a job. Um, so I say just start doing it. And with journalism, it's the same thing. You just have to be curious, inquisitive and want to tell a story and want to ask the right questions. And to me, you asked very pointed questions. What, why, how did you do this? So that's very important on being a reporter and a journalist to get the story out and doing interviews. So, um, and, and just, and pick a topic you love. And so you could focus on that too, and be a specialist and be an expert. You have to find what, what comes to you best and what you have a passion for, what you will stay up five days straight for. And my, for me, it's sports and it's actually any sport, whether it's college hockey, the NFL, so it's something that you would sleep one hour a night for. <laughs> so, you know, find that passion and you could start doing it now. Great. And thank you. And so we close the show with the same question for all of our guests. Uh, knowing what you know now in life, 
What advice would you give to your 13-year-old mm. self? Let's see. My advice would be read more books. It just gives you more stories to retell, or I think it just gives your brain more curiosity to ask different questions, to find stories to tell. I love reading books. I don't get to read a lot of books now because I'm reading articles. I'm reading autobiographies. So those are books, but for work. But uh, read more stories. That's what I would tell my 13-year-old self. And also, and this goes back to your first question, I would say try to participate in more sports. You don't have to be uh, the next Mia Hamm. But the advice I would have given myself then, just intramurals, try to play a few more sports. Because then later in life, I had to teach myself rules later on. If I had played a couple more sports, I would have known those rules more instinctually. And it's advice, but I think it would be more of a reminder because I never gave up. I thought about giving up several times. I even have thought about giving up in adulthood. Even after winning Emmys awards, I've thought about giving up. But it would just be a reminder at that age, don't give up. You don't even waste your time thinking of giving up because you could do this and you'll find a way. Even when they say no or a door is closed, you'll find a way. So don't give up. Well, Tina, it's been so inspiring to listen to you. And Tamia, thank you for co-hosting today. You are excellent. No problem. <laughs> so good. And I love learning a little bit about you. And find out if your grandfather plays golf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gastic. My co-host today was Tamia from MS452K in Brooklyn. She was assisted by Denise. Season four of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. This episode was produced by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.